titans of text. Welcome, humans, elves, ogres, screws, one and all, to the Titans of Text podcast. We are your hosts, Danny Austerity Disenfeld. And Eric Ostridge. And we have with us today the one and only Justin Seabrook Rocha. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Great, great. Uh, so why don't you get started, Eric? Sure. All right. So do you, let's uh, start out with uh, who are you? Um, so my nickname is Zenith. I've, I've been using that for oh, 30 years. So I'm a network engineer by trade, but I kind of grew up as a software engineer in middle school, high school. Um, got in the muds probably uh, mid-90s, which is when I uh, uh, started with the AOL muds. And that's kind of moved on from there. And then that's where I started programming, right? Kind of landed on God Wars. But it, did you get into MUDs first or programming first? Uh, we'll say I got into programming first. I, I think my first language was Logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember Logo. I got into that in a, in a elementary school. Yeah, that sounds about right. So what, uh, what, what real language did you get in after that? Did you do the, the basic track or did you actually get straight into something like C? I did hit on basic. I probably didn't spend too much time in basic. Uh, C would have been my first real language. Uh, not that basic isn't a real language. Yeah, no, no. But logo's not. That's <laughs> that's what I was implying. Now you get to make pretty boxes with logo. Yeah, you can move that turtle. So, uh, so what what got you interested in mudding specifically? Was it the programming aspect that that drew you into that, or or was it just an interest in the in the the game itself? Uh, I'd say the games definitely came first. Um, I did not discover them on my own. A couple of my friends discovered them, and that's how I got in them. Because it was the mid-90s, and the internet didn't quite really exist yet. Um, we, the friend, my friend group definitely came up from BBSs. So, so like, door games, you know, Lord, Legend of Red Ray and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that kind of led them naturally into MUDs once we all hit AOL. And uh, all that AOL premium, premium fun time. Uh, any uh, any any embarrassing uh, uh, dial-up bills that, that your parents? Got oh yes, uh, that, I definitely had a few six hundred dollar AOL bills at the time. Uh, so what what led? Well, uh, your friends got you into it, so you you jumped on God Wars. Uh, how did you make the jump to uh, actually getting involved in the in the staff side? Uh, so I think that was purely because I wanted to program back. You know, back back then it was. You know, open source didn't quite really exist. Uh, there weren't really easy, easy to find communities. So since I are already investing significant amounts of time in these games, and I wanted to learn coding, I knew that some of them were written in C. Um, so after having applied to be a, a staff, at least on the first, on the first mud, the first God Wars mud, I was staff for a bit, and then I was able to sweet talk them into giving me coding access, and um, you know how everyone else starts, you get a little bit, you write a function here, update a function there, and soon uh, soon I was kind of on par with the, the lead coder. Yeah, suddenly you're building one day, and then suddenly you're the only coder left on the code base. Yes, that is <laughs> Everyone very Everyone else moved away. So how did that, how did that move on to uh, uh, Age of Legacy? Where, where, did, uh, where did that start out? Uh, so there was this mud called Dizzy Mud back in the late 90s. Uh, I believe it was kind of, uh, it was definitely, it was ROM 2.4. Uh, as per usual, it was a quote-unquote heavily customized ROM. So I, the founders of Age of Legacy split from there. I'm not sure how they, ha- how they got the code in the first place, 
But when they split off, they started up Age of Legacy. And I was friends with one of the founders and she convinced me to come over from the Godward Mud and uh, basically be their main programmer. And uh, what, what were you, pl- were you playing anything else at the time or were you just strictly like, oh, no, I'm, I'm coding it. I'm just, I'm just going to concentrate on making this, this game better. Because, because it was so long ago, was, uh, my memories are very hazy. I can say, though, that for Age of Legacy, I did not play it. Um, other than you know, having a character for testing, um, I was pretty much playing the God War mod, which was uh, God War The Retaliation, and, and Legends of Terrace, which I actually still play to this day. Wow, that's quite a while. Uh, <laughs> I love... I love hearing stories about places people still log into after, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. I met my wife in Terrace. Wow. So, how, okay. Okay. Well, I, I need more on that one. So, <laughs> so where, how did that happen? Was it like a, a PK gone right? So what happened there? Uh, so, so Terrace is uh, no PK. It's PV, uh, PVE, you know, questing exploration, you know, killing monsters to grind up. Um, very heavy, uh, very heavy role. At the time, I was still in college. She had just graduated from grad school and lived in, lived in Texas, um, kind of really had nothing to do. I think, if I remember correctly, she did say that she had played Terrors like back in the 90s on AOL, uh, but we did not know each other at the time. So this is around 2007 when we first met in Terrace. She was the guildmaster of the Withers Guild, and I was just a very high-ranking member. So, you know, in-game in talk, to used to out-of-game talk, and since I was in college, uh, I am not very good at writing papers, and she is an English and history major, so she offered to uh, edit my papers for me. And, you know, one thing leads to another. Oh, it's the, it's the old tutoring ploy. That's where it is. Pretty much. No, that's, that's really great. Uh, so what, um, you, you started on God Wars, but then mostly were playing a PvE mod. Were, were you ever really into the PvP, PK aspect of, of some of the old... Uh, I mean, God Wars has a, has a pretty strong history in putting up PvP, PK-style mud. Yes, God Wars... I'd say God Wars is pure PvP. Um, there, there is some grinding involved uh, just to get your skills up, but it's definitely not the point of the game. Thinking back, that God Wars uh, mud was probably the only PvP mud I ever played. I think I was uh, stuck to PvE as much as possible. Um, so Terrace with PVE Federation, my first mud, uh, was PVE-ish. It, it, was, it wasn't really a fighting mud. It was more of a, a space exploration and space trading game. But then I wanted, then there was other stuff, you know, uh, Gemstone, Dragon Realms, Modus Operandi, uh, and those were, I guess some of them had PVK, uh, PK aspects to them, but it's pretty much PVE most of the time. And that kind of actually bled over into my, my WoW plane as well. I, I never played in any PvP servers. So uh, what, what, uh, what, what did you do on Age of Legacy? So you jumped over on Age of Legacy when it started. So you're pretty much a founder, so to say, uh, as far as coding goes. So what, what, what did you do with Age of Legacy uh, to improve it? Like what, what, were your, like what were your goals? What were you trying to do there? Uh, I had some... I guess I had some, how do I put this, PTSD from God Wars. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of Dekuisms that I hated, such as, as, such as the split between PC data and uh, the character data. Um, that was one. 
so my goal was, with Legacy was just to really clean up the code so it looked much nicer to, or much nicer to work with, as well as adding new features. So I, I think I did a lot of bug fixing. Um, so almost all the bugs probably in the 2000s that were are fixed by me, and new features were other people for the most part. Uh, so if you go look at the Age of Legacy site right now, uh, which is legacy.digitalinertia.net, it, it, it's referencing that it's back and better than ever. So what, what happened to Age of Legacy? Was there just a, an um, exodus? I will only say it's mud drama, which happens everywhere. Um, so the, the founders actually handed off control of it to uh, a new group, and they kind of ran into the ground, and eventually we got control of it back. Um, and we started. Of course, by that time, there was a, there was an exodus. And most of the players left. So now, now the game is you know, you know, two three players at a time at most. But basically, when we brought it back, we I now run on my personal servers. The the website I don't they hosted some they have hosted website somewhere else. So I just kind of forwarded there. I think Digital Inertia is just kind of a generic web hosting company. I say the biggest better than ever part is that it got completely rewritten and rewritten in C++ and a lot of the C decuisms got replaced, which makes it a lot more, uh, a lot more stable and a lot less, you know, memory leaky. Was it a, a true like rebuilding from the ground up or was it uh, kind of a port effort? It, it was basically a port effort. Um, a, a lot of it is, so we didn't, we didn't really rewrite large chunks of it. Most of it was, replacing like character buffers with uh, this, uh, STL stuff, uh, strings and vectors like that. Uh, what, what about like future stuff? Is it still, is it just an archive effort just to keep it up or are you guys still working on it doing small improvements update? So for me, it's an archive effort. I, I don't do any coding anymore. I am just the server owner at this point. And then the other founder is actually trying to finish his PhD, so he doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, but he, he, he was the one who, who pushed for the C++ port. Um, but once that was done, he went back to his graduate program. And then we have another coder who is working on new features, kind of new features around bringing more modern uh, stuff into the mud, um, like dynamic, dynamic loop, really, um, which you, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure he just pulled that idea straight from WoW. Well, so many of us are taking... Ideas from WoW, from Diablo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> those two probably are the biggest. Yeah. What the goal there is that we make loot valuable again because we don't have anyone who actually wants to build anymore. And building takes a lot of time, especially if you're trying to build items very carefully. But now you have dynamic, a dynamic loot system, so the items, you know, you have to create them individually, which is saves a lot of time. Sure, sure. No, it makes a lot of sense as our as our player bases dwindle, we can't all have the 30 to 100 people uh, online at any given time. Definitely have to make uh, make amend, uh, amendations for that. So what, 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 what about now? Like, what are, what are you working on now besides, obviously, hosting Age of Legacy? So now, in my vast quantities of non-existent free time, I, I do work on a new mud called uh, Ataxia. I, I blatantly stole that name from a Java mud that my friend worked on back in the early 2000s called before Cataxia. Well, that was Java, no one's working Java anymore, so like, the name was freed up. I started Ataxia probably in 2007 or 2008, just kind of as a playground for learning new languages. So when I originally, originally began it, it was going to be in C++. 
because at the time I really hadn't done much real C++ that wasn't basically just a, a, a sheen over C, but basically C was classes. But then it quickly morphed into Objective-C, because I wanted to learn how to you know, write uh, Mac applications. That did not last long, because I discovered that I discovered how pitiful GNU set is for actually building servers. So around 2009, I probably, 2009 is when I converted to Go. And the Go the Go version actually got pretty far. You could log in, you could walk around, look at rooms, look at items, chat, no combat or anything like that. So then I lost all my free time because I graduated and got you know got a real job. Real life kind of got in the way, and I got married. Um, and these days, Ataxia is now written in Rust. So maybe once or twice a week, I'll get time to poke it a little bit, uh, but it really hasn't gone anywhere at this point. I will say though that I in in the conversion to Rust, I did find a bunch of bad design decisions in the Go version that I will hopefully not not perhaps I won't fall into this anymore. So are, are you using Go? Is Go or Rust part of part of your actual career, or is it just that's just the the most interesting language to you right now? That is the most interesting language to me right now. So since 2010, I've uh, my career kind of took a, a left turn. I'm now a network engineer. Um, so it's very little programming. My current company, it's I, I do some programming as pretty much all Python. Well, I mean, it's still uh, <laughs> there's still a lot of interesting networking things with MUDs too. It's not a not a big surprise how tangential that can be. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is part of the working on Ataxia. I found you know, limitations with Rust in regards to networking. So I am, I am anxiously or eagerly awaiting all the new async await future stuff that's been coming in Rust hopefully this year. I'm actually a little bit involved in, in that effort on the, on, in the Rust language itself. When I say a little bit, and I just kind of hang out on the channel and follow what's going on, but I haven't really contributed anything yet. But that will, uh, that's, that's, your basic, your, your, that's your standard uh, async stuff. Um, which I used very heavily in the Go version because Go is kind of built on that those concurrency primitives of, of Go routines and channels. So once we get something similar in Rustland, I think it will make make building the kind of servers a lot lot nicer. All right. So I think the the big question that all of the developers out there want to know about Ataxia: Are you using an ECS? So I will say that that is the plan. In Rust, one of the biggest ECSs is called, or ECS libraries is called Specs. And I already have that listed as a dependency. Uh, it's not used yet. But hopefully once I get to the point where I'm actually building the object system, I will be using an ECS model. Awesome. Let's see. So this, so Specs looks like it blows out to Specs parallel ECS. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, is a taxi set up to be concurrent and all all that fun jazz? Uh, yes and no. So because it's using specs and because it is Rust and Rust is built to really support um, parallelism and concurrency, at least with futures. Uh, yes, a taxi will support that. I I go back and forth about you know what functions can actually be th uh, sent off to different threads and what need to be run in. in uh, in sequence, because MUDs by nature are kind of very sequential, um, you know, like the interactions between uh, two player, players, uh, two NPCs, that are, or when you're when you're in combat, it's a very sequential uh, type of algorithm. You know, 
one side hit, the other side hits, and, and kind of parallelizing that really risks uh, getting things out of sync and, ha and stuff happening out of order. So I always go back and forth about how much of a mod can actually be parallelized like that. Yeah, there's a, I can't remember the, the actual name for it, but there's some like, uh, there's a, what's it? It's like the dragon, something fighting a dragon where like the dragon just starts charging you, you run through a door, close it, but then the dragon still pops through because of concurrency issues and then eats you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You have to make sure, um, exactly. So if you close the door, but the dragon doesn't see the door close event before it does its move event, it'll miss a closed door. And that's obviously in that situation a very bad thing for the player, a very good thing for the dragon. So what uh, are are you? Uh, what kind of communication support were you playing? Was in the plans for a taxi? Like you're going to support Telnet, or are you going to try to make a uh, web client? Uh, what's what's the plans on that one? Both. Um, I'm going to support Telnet just because that is the easiest option for me, and that I've written Telnet servers, and at the and the various demos Telnet can really just be. Uh, handling you know, text with a new line. Um, you don't even have to handle it in the telnet protocol for, for testing out. But some of the some of the you know, some of the, some of the protocols that were invented on top of telnet like GCMP, uh, MXP, they're they're very clever, um, but the clients can be very limited in how they can support it. So I would definitely like to add in WebSockets and an HTML client because uh, you can you can do a lot of lot of customization with that. Again, and WebSockets can be, you know, you can put SSL on top of that or underneath it pretty, pretty much. Um, and doing a secure Telnet is much harder because very few clients actually do support that. Although we are there, the the spread of TLS or Telnet over TLS is, is slowly starting to happen now that Mudlet supports it. Yeah. I think AxMud does too. So we're getting there. Yeah, I think the Mudlet support is very, very new. And Mudlet, as far as I can tell, it's mostly used by people who don't use Windows. Um, I feel there are some Windows Mudlet users, but I kind of get the feeling that most of the Mud Mud players on Windows use either Mush Client or or they they, they cling to their Z Mud. I'm not sure how they they keep it running in the Windows 10 world, but they they love it and they they stick to it. Must be using a Windows XP VM. That sounds so horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've talked, I've talked to some people who use ZMUD and basically they have a whole bunch of triggers and aliases written in ZMUD. They don't want to port to ZMUD or much client or anything else. So to them, they'd rather spend their time keeping ZMUD to work than to actually do the port. Yeah, I mean, that's that's such a common theme, not only for players, but for for uh, MUD owners too. Just keep band-aiding everything. Yeah, I, I, I definitely know that, that desire. Is there there isn't a snippet for uh, updating to CMUD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Calvier wrote that any snippets for that. On a, on, on that note, uh, I will uh, I will take a, a brief moment for a word from one of our many sponsors of this podcast. Even though it's the first episode ever, uh, Vineyard, are you looking for a mud host that cares about your needs? Just point your web browser at vineyard.hoss. That's V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D dot H-A-U-S, vineyard.hoss. Vineyard, where the hosting is free and you get more than what you pay for. And on the topic of hosting, uh, you self-host. Uh, what kind of uh, metal do you have in a closet? Uh, so I used to work for a colocation company, so I still have a cabinet from them. So it's a, it's a normal, you know, 
a, a full rack and uh, one gigabit transit. So I'm, I'm kind of lucky there. So the MUD itself is just hosted on a small Atom server. It's really, so it's actually just like a, a half a half depth box with an Atom processor in it. And you can like eight gigs of RAM and uh, some kind of SSD in it. Because it's a MUD, it doesn't really need much processing power. But it, uh, so that machine runs Linux. I mean, I grew up as I grew up with Linux, so I'm a pretty competent system at this point, so I can do everything myself. Which I understand is, is kind of unusual in the bug world. What uh, what distro uh, are you you have on there? Uh, just plain Debian. Yeah, that is that that is the uh, the wet dream of most mud owners <laughs> to have a situation like that for sure. Yeah, it's only four hundred dollars a month. That that is definitely not part of that dream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it helps with all my personal stuff and then the personal stuff for other people. So it's it's not four hundred dollars a month just for the mud. Yeah, I mean, hell, I spend uh, I spend seventy on my uh, on my cloud Windows server mostly because it's Windows. So four hundred yeah, is not really that far off, honestly. I just <clears throat> what I thought was splurging for a Grapevine server of uh, forty dollars a month <laughs> for dedicated cores. Yes, if I if I were to do this today, I did not have. The, the rack, I would probably be doing it, uh, run this on a, a line of VM or DigitalOcean or something like that. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's transition a little bit to more personal. So would you, um, given, given that you've been around pretty much the whole time, like, like many of us, uh, there are, there are other people that are, that are, that are coming up in the world of, of mudding. Uh, not that many anymore, but there are some, would you have, would you have any words of wisdom or, or any advice as, as far as this is a hobby, continuing this, uh, that kind of thing? So this is definitely a hobby, uh, but it is a fun hobby. My advice is learn the history, but I would not ever advise someone to use, to continue running, uh, for, some, for someone new, to, to run one of the old classic buds. I mean, they're, they're good for reference material, but you can do things so much better these days by just um, either using one of the more modern uh, engines like uh, Avinia or building yourself. Um, in the MyCoders Slack, we definitely see a few people who are just building, it, building themselves from scratch. Oh, I got to put a shout out for XVenture here as well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think all three of us are, are building our own frameworks. No, I'm, I, I'm building a, a, a natural language translator, apparently. I don't think I'm building a mud anymore. You're building an entire new universe. Well, someone's got to have a place for all the rabbits. That's what I say. All right. So I think uh, we'll call that our first episode of uh, Titans of Text. Make sure to check out next episode, uh, which I think is Darkwind. Yep. So two weeks from now, uh, you can look forward to yet another uh uh, delve into the world of, of MUDs and uh, text gaming in general. This is not, not just about MUDs. It is Titans of Text. <laughs> so hope, hopefully we will expand and, uh, and get our fingers into all aspects of text gaming. All right, and uh, thanks for coming on, uh, Justin. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. Titans of Text was recorded in front of a live cat audience.